Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I first found Milan Steskel through his book, How to Launch a Startup, which he published on Amazon. His experiences and actionable advice caught my attention, and when I looked further into his background, I found many facets to his story. I'm pleased to have him join me today as we spring from startups to mental health to innovation from within an organisation and as a personal pursuit. Welcome to the Startups Roundtable. Tony Hackett is my name, and I'm your host. Let's get started and meet Milan. Uh, of course. So, Tony, thank you for having me again. Um, my name is Milan. Originally, I'm coming from. I come from Slovakia. It's in Central Europe. Uh, I live in Austria, and currently, I'm working for a company called My Sugar. Um, it's a company. Our motto says "Make diabetes sacrifice." Um, the company was founded approximately nine years ago, in, and two of the founders have diabetes, and they were solving their own problem because life with diabetes is really there's a lot of struggles, and you have to take a lot of decisions, therapy-related decisions every day. And they simply wanted to simplify their life, so they started the company. The company was doing well. It was acquired by uh, Roche a uh, few years ago. And in the company, I'm a head of Therapy Solutions Tribe. If you are familiar with the company structure that's coming from Spotify, so that is divided into like squads and uh, and tribes, that is some kind of team of teams. And my tribe is responsible for building solutions that simplify life with diabetes. And in my life, before my sugar, I was running my own mental health tech startup for around five years and even before i had or i had you know that quite typical path that i started when i graduated from the university i started as a developer turned into more into project and product manager ended up being an, uh, an entrepreneur and then running this company for five years uh, it was really a very exciting opportunity i learned a lot it was a mental health tech startup. Um, the company, however, is still operational, but our main target was in the United States. However, after some time, we learned that the timing was not right, and also we found a very good partner in Australia. So the the business two to three years ago shifted to Australia, and from Europe, I was not really able to support it, and I also needed needed a change. So now the company has a new new CEO operates in Australia. And I am fully dedicated to my sugar. And during the time of while I was running this company, I also wrote a book. It's called How to Launch a Startup. And this book simply summarizes my experience from how we got the idea of what we are doing and how what we did to um, to receiving the first seed funding. So the book is about really how to help your startup survive the first year, not about how to exit the startup. There are a lot of books about that and a lot of much smarter and much more successful people than I am who wrote, this, uh, who wrote books about that. But actually, 
finding a book about how to start the startup and how to survive the first year. I, even though every book author says that, I really wish I had that kind of book when I was starting my own startup. Uh, that's not just one large topic you've wrestled to the ground or you're wrestling to the ground, but a number. And uh, with that that introduction, first of all, I, I read your book and I found it very interesting. And the way you laid out your experience really was meaningful to me. And I, I felt as I understood what you were explaining. And given I haven't started a startup, that was a, a wonderful experience for me. So thank you for creating that and the way that you did. It also, as I was reading it, I, I got a really good sense that you understood who you were and the the hard work that you have to go through to understand who your audience is. As you've introduced your roles as starting your own startup and being with My Sugar now, big, big problems that that you're tackling and to understand the audience in those experiences could I ask you to break them up a little bit for me? Let's talk about my sugar first. There is a, a well-known product, a, a problem that that is trying to be solved, and it's a problem that's not going away. How do you then take that market? Not to say that it's not about the people, but that 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 problem statement around diabetes on, and create space for yourself. How do you actually do that? Uh, first of all, Tony, thank you very much for the feedback. I'm really very happy to hear that you like the book. Um, when you when you say create space for yourself when it comes to diabetes, could you be a little more specific because I don't fully understand what did you mean? Before my sugar existed, diabetes existed, and a stack of people had a point of view on on what to do to sort this out. So much so that if we jumped onto Google now and did a search for the types of things that my sugar does, we would be inundated. So, what what was the reason that that my sugar took the step to actually take on this problem? And then, how do you find your space rather than being super broad? How do you define your audience, and how do you continue to redefine those that would care about what you bring to the market today? Oh, right. Okay. So that's a that's a great question. Um, well, I joined my sugar only two years ago, so I can more of a speculate speculate of how the company was founded and how the company started because I was not involved with the company back then. Uh, but as I mentioned, the company was founded by four people and two of them had diabetes. And it was founded and the company was founded only while, short after the App Store was launched. So back then there were not really many if any apps that would serve as a diabetes logbook because people with diabetes they have to log you know their blood glucose the carbs that they eat and similar things and before they could use like a typical notebook i mean pen and paper or maybe some spreadsheet in excel but they didn't have a lot of opportunities and the founders simply had the problem they saw the opportunity they had a vision that you know you want you, you want to have your logbook easily in your pocket so they started building the app and what and looking back what i believe that they have done very very well while the company uh, is so, so successful was that they started working with the users from the very you know from the very beginning and also what i mentioned what, what i described in my book 
they started validating the problems. You know, one of the biggest challenges overall when it comes to startups is that people or the founders, they build products, they fall in love with, the, with their idea, but with the solution. And they build the solution and then they try to find a problem for the solution and sell it that way. However, you should do it exactly the other way around. You should fall in love with solving the problem. And then together with your users or potential users or and potential customers, find a solution for that problem. And I believe that this is what my sugar did when the founders started the company. You use a language that I, I, I use as well, and that is to, if you can't find a problem worth solving, then there's nothing much to talk about, really. It doesn't matter what you've got. You have the greatest solution. It could be free, but but no one's going to care so much. So thank you for introducing that element of, of your life. Could we now dig into your own startup world and, and your own experience there? And and when I say there are big issues that you're wrestling or been, been working on, if diabetes isn't a large one, uh, and it is, we know, uh, mental health, could you talk about what, made you go from having your idea to taking that step to starting your startup and and as we go through this it'd be really interesting to get your perspective on this the world that we live in today and how you think about mental health and startups with a and as you put in the book you know there was one such a small percentage of startups that actually make it so there's enough pressure in the best of times so yeah could you speak to that for me please uh of course and thank you for this question because um, having worked on a mental health tech startup, I become really very aware and mindful of of my, of my own mental health. But also, overall, I started noticing like the mental health and the pressure in the startup world. Uh, but getting back to how we started, well, to be honest and not honest, but uh, for it was not my own idea for for the mental health tech startup, but my co-founders because we were two co-founders, and actually. The idea, the initial origin of the idea was quite similar to my sugar. Like he was a, a research psychologist and he did not have a good and easy way to collect data for his research, behavioral data for his research. Back then he had two options, using something like Google Google Forms or SurveyMonkey that he could use to collect data, but then processing the data was not easy. Or the other option was to use really expensive, uh, dedicated uh, apps that you know researchers do not have budgets for. Uh, so simply, he saw the the problem and the opportunity. Uh, and I remember this Facebook status because this my co-founder he was my brother's best friend from childhood, and I saw a Facebook status that he posted that I have a I, I have an idea to conquer the world, but I need someone with a technical background to help me with it. So I reached out to him, we spoke about it, he pitched his idea to me, and after one hour I was like, you know, Igor, I liked your idea, let's try it, let's go 50-50, let's take it step by step and see how it goes. Well, and we ended up working on the company for almost five years, and it was, um, however, you know, what I have to say that it was not rainbows and unicorns from the very beginning, actually, it's was the other way around uh, because and we also made quite a lot of mistakes in the in the beginning and we learned from those mistakes and the learnings are in the book uh, but what i would say is that we also when i spoke that you have to fall in love with the problem that you want to solve 
that's only one prerequisite because then there are many other uh, requirements that everything needs to fit together, you know, like Lego, like the Lego pieces in order to be at least a little uh, successful, get a chance to get to the seed funding. Um, because, you know, it is to be a problem, but the problem has to be big enough. Uh, the potential customers need to see the problem big enough to um, be willing to pay for it. You know, the problem or it needs to be something like a must have for the for the people, not only nice to nice to have. You know, so it so for you it, it needs to be morphine, not an aspirin. So we had to we had to pivot, we had to look at the problem for and we had to go through validating different the, the problem from the many different perspectives because the problem clearly is there and a lot of research studies and everything uh were confirming it. But healthcare itself is such a complicated industry uh that finding the right way in and having enough time, I would say that was the reason why the company did not succeed as much as we wanted to. You, you touched on a, a few things I'd like to explore, and, and one of them is around funding. As you start to line up for funding, I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on that. And the other thing I'd like to understand maybe as you answer that or speak to that topic is the the bridge or the the, the slider between data and intuition and how that plays just for a single person. When you have a co-founder, you have data and intuition from two people in an area where there there are mountains of data to actually consume. So maybe if we handle that one first, you could talk about data and intuition and how you would recommend from your experiences that if there are other people listening to the podcast thinking, I want to go from that step of an idea to start my own venture, must I always have data? And, and how I think about my own gut feel. Uh, yeah, that's so true to me. And how I personally look at it is that, of course, you need you need both. Um, to be on the safer side, you know, I trust more in data than in my gut feeling. I mentor startup weekends uh, where I meet a lot of first-time founders. And what I really, really appreciate about those events is that they are like those people are a little naive. But I mean it from the I mean it in a good way, because this because when you need to be a little naive to really be get so excited and put so much energy into you know into your idea and and into addressing and uh, tackling uh, the problem. Um, however, there needs to be there there have to be some boundaries, uh, because. Many of those people, I would say, not saying, but they see, for example, Steve Jobs as their idol, you know, and Steve Jobs, he was a visionary. And I have not studied his work like that, uh, that much, but I believe that while he also used a lot of data to take decisions, he also had very good gut feeling and really vision and believe, and believe like where the people and the technology and everything could go. I also believe that 99 out of 100 people or maybe 999 out of 1000 people are not like Steve Jobs. The gut feeling and visions and ideas that we have are simply wrong. Because if it was not, you would have you know so many more apples and Instagrams and, and everything. Therefore, from my perspective, much safer way is to First, understand the data. So understand the problem, get some validation, and then based on that, 
be creative and understand the future, learn about or think about what the future could be and then start validating the steps towards the future that you envision. That makes sense. That's actually really well explained because it, it sounded like when you entered into the into the venture with your co-founder, with your brother's best friend, you reacted from a uh, from that person's passion and their vision and their understanding, and you intellectually engaged. But that sounded like that your first step was very much a an intuitive step to say, yeah, actually, this makes sense. We we should look into this further. So it is interesting to see where that slider moves, and I'm I'm positive that it moves around throughout and and over time. Could I then ask you then, as as you were taken on by your co-founder's story at the start, and then you engage for a number of years, as you then get to the point where you start to explain to other people and investors and wanting them to buy into your story, what are your experiences that you you could share and, and what might be a couple of tips or learnings that were some some ahas maybe for you? When it comes to when it comes to the investors, I would say in many cases, everything boils down to two or three things. The first thing is that with the investor, it's a relationship. So it's good to engage with the investors as soon as possible. However, it does not mean that you want that you are going to ask for money or for the investment as soon as possible. Because I actually believe that the typical saying that you hear when you ask for money you get an advice and when you ask for advice you get money it's actually true especially the first part um so you know i believe that getting to know the investors but also giving the investors the opportunity to get to know you is very important from the very beginning because the investors want to make sure that the that they maximize the chance of the return of their investment and especially when it comes to early stage startups, they do not invest that much into the ideas. They invest much more into the teams, into the people who can really execute and who can deliver. And this is something that they get to know only over time. Um, Then the other thing is that, of course, they need to see some proof or, or validation that the problem that you're solving is has a potential to be big enough so bottom line is that you need to have a good team and the idea that you have or the problem that you're solving you need to be able to you need to show that you have certain traction that you you either get users or customers you know like depends on the business model and that everything makes sense of course the investors know that no matter what is the business model that you pitch to the investors when you are raising the first few tens thousands or first few hundred dollars hundred thousand dollars that the business model and everything is going to change because you have to adapt but this is exactly what they are looking for in the team that the team needs to perform and execute so that when the problem comes the team will know how to pivot and how to go to to still make it successful and when it comes to the building the relationships with the investors and actually showing them that you can execute what I believe is the best approach is that when you meet when you meet the investors, for example, you go to some meetup or some kind of startup event, a conference, and you meet the investor, you should know who the investor is. Like 
you don't need to know like every startup or every company that they invested in, but you should get an idea of who the, the investor is. And after you do a really very, very quick elevator pitch to the investor, like one or two sentences, ask for their feedback, what, what they think about it. And if they share some feedback, this is something that can get you into a longer discussion. If not, then the investor is not interested and you know you go and you speak with her. But if you get to a discussion and you get a chance to explain your startup a little more, then you can ask for some advice. Like, you know, like for example, what do you think about the market size or how would you approach it and and so on and so on. And then do something with the advice and get back to the investor one or two months later saying like, hey Tony, thanks for your advice. We tried it, we spoke with 50 potential customers, 50 potential users. We we invalidated your idea but thank you it was you know it was a great learning we think that this could be the next step what do you think and engage them in this kind of conversation and then you will also learn uh what is the kind of stage of the company that the investor wants to invest in and when you get there then you ask for money and maybe even the investor when you get there the investor will be the one offering you Milan, that's really powerful advice. I must say, when I read your book, and I read that, that that phrase that you just repeated a moment ago about when you ask for advice, you get money. When you ask for money, you get advice. I've never heard that before. And I must say that when I read that, I smiled. I thought, wow, there's so much truth in how many words, that, like a dozen words. I thought it was so powerful. The thing that I wonder about as well, and, and you're a mentor for startups, if you're a startup and you're looking for a mentor, how do you find the right mentor? Because that's that's a different level of intimacy and and maybe at a time when a little bit of advice might even matter more than, than when you get to, to talking for funding, talking to a startup funder. I think the, the best way, if you really do not know where to start or how to start, is to find some either hackathon event or startup weekend. Startup weekend is now all around the world. I think it's being backed up also by Google. It's in almost all major cities in almost every country. You know, in Slovakia, which is a small country with five and a half million inhabitants, uh, there are startup weekends in four or five cities. So I'm sure that in Australia, you have started weekend in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra, like all of them. Oh, I mean, all, all, of, the, all of the big ones, the, the main ones. Uh, and you know the same goes in every country, like whichever you you can think of. And at the same time, you know, like on one weekend, it's easily like twenty or thirty events all around the world. And those are the events where you meet mentors. And this is usually how I mentor the startups. I do not have uh, I, uh, any relationships with the startups outside of the startup weekends that are longer term, because it involves bigger commitment from both sides, from me as well as from the startup. And right now I cannot commit that much to helping the startups. However, mentoring is really a commitment from both sides. For the mentor, it's not only you know jumping on a call like once a month and sharing their thoughts. It's really about preparing, about having, having seeing a path for the startup, really understanding their problem. That's really powerful. I, I'm curious to know too, if you've had experience with actual accelerator programs or or some type of startup formal programs, and if you have, what your experience has been, and, and if not, what's your point of view on those? As a bonus, build some relationships with potential mentors and you know more experienced people. So for us, we we were happy with the with the accelerator because we achieved what we aimed for. Uh, if my goal was to 
get more traction from the accelerator or the investment, I would be extremely disappointed because it was a, the accelerator was in a smaller town in northern Italy. So there, you know, there was not, there was no ecosystem for investors or for, for the customers. So it really depends on what are the, what can the accelerator or and the program provide to, to, to you, a startup team, and whether it's something that you really need. I do not recommend actually to the startup founders to go to an accelerator program only for the sake of going there or being there. You've provided some some fantastic insights, and it it almost feels like a, a sensible place for us to to close for today. But I could, I could play back something that you said a few moments ago. That, and I'll let you know how it came through to me. I asked a question about how you'd go for funding into venture capital, and you you described something that was about relationships, and it was about bringing something more than your innovation and your understanding of a market to to the funder and to be able to get their advice but then to go and do your own work and to trade advice back because whatever advice you're bringing back from your market analysis is your unique whatever that advice and your market analysis is no one else in the world has that and so you start to actually bring back true insights and the example you gave was even if you tried something and it, and it failed that's news and that's something that an investor would be interested to know about. And at each point through our conversation today, you've reinforced implicitly in the way you talked about how you go about doing your business and how you behave, the importance of relationships and not treating milestones as events, not treating looking for a mentor as an event, not treating talking to a funder as an event. And I think there's just such valuable, valuable insight from your knowledge and your experience. And I really appreciate that you've shared it with us today. Thank you very much. I'm really, I'm really happy that I could help. And hopefully, hopefully this is going to help at least some founders to get funding and succeed. Milan, thank you. And uh, it'll be great to speak to you again in the future. But thanks for joining me today. Tony, thank you very much for having me. And I'd be more than happy to join you sometime in the future. I hope you enjoyed the breath we covered with Milan as much as I did, and feel free to get in touch. Maybe you'd like to provide feedback or even suggest a future guest. But that's it for today. Thank you and bye for now.